0: keep a, a very separate thing in my mind between process and practice process is maybe what you want to be doing it's your espoused method but the practice is your actual method that's what people are doing on the shop floor and uh, there there's usually pretty good reasons as to why the practice exists because the process is maybe clunky or it's asking people to do things that they know there's no point in doing it or
1: Welcome everybody to Equality Podcast Season 2. We are happy to have with us today Derek Scott. Derek is the Director at Paragon Process Improvements on the other side of the rather large pond that separates us. Derek, welcome to the show today.
0: Uh, Good evening, guys. Uh, Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, Very excited to be here. Big fan of the show.
1: Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you on as well, not just because you're Uh, philosophy and what you bring to this space you know is in close alignment with our values uh, but also because of the work you do at uh, Paragon which is uh, near and dear to our heart so why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and about Paragon process improvements
0: sure thank you very much John Uh, well my name is Derek Scott Uh, I'm based in the northeast of Scotland Uh, as you mentioned there i'm the director for paragon process improvements Uh, it's uh, an independent consultancy that's been set up within the last six months Uh, i've got 15 years worth of experience within uh, the quality field Uh, working in various different levels within many different sizes of organizations usually within the oil and gas sector as that's normally what the oil uh, the northeast of Scotland is particularly focused on is certainly the energy sector but oil and gas has been predominant here for for many many years um so i've worked in different streams across that from subsea construction through to integrity management uh and down to the sort of component manufacturer level always in quality roles uh, generally everything from you know information management right through to sort of departmental management uh, across a, an entire organization so A lot of experience across doing that and uh, multi-credentialed as a fellow of the Chartered Quality Institute, uh, Certified Quality Engineer with the ASQ uh, of which I'm a senior member. I'm a fellow of the Royal Statistical Society uh, and also a Certified Manager of Quality and Organisational Excellence with the ASQ. Um, So just looking obviously with uh, Paragon Process Improvements now to start branching out into uh, the deep, dark, shark infested waters of uh, consulting and uh, see where we go from here as, a, as an independent and uh, try that for a few years and it's something I've always wanted to do and uh, yeah we've got a I've got a client that I'm working with in the renewables field at the moment which is um, again a, a bit of a different uh, it's a different ball game to oil and gas to put it uh, mildly but it's uh, it's certainly a very interesting field to be working in for sure so, so before
2: we dive into a hundred questions that brought up tell me what you're wearing today <laughs>
0: So, well, it's uh, as you know, it's Halloween, so uh, I'm uh, dressed in my Jedi robes, uh, oh, attempting to be dressed in my Jedi robes, which uh, unfortunately I'm a bit too fat for. Um, so this belt that I'm wearing around right here, I have to breathe in real carefully because uh, if, I, if I don't, <laughs> then uh, the whole thing pops off and everything just falls falls out. But it's absolutely roasting as well. So, Ay, I
1: think that
0: I belt, knew. may a
1: force be with us. Win- <laughs> I knew exactly what you were, so um, <laughs> other John Thacker. I don't know what's wrong with you, but obviously that's Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, so I'm just saying.
2: I'm a Star well, Trek uh, fan, so you Star Wars guys, are gonna have to clue me in.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going with uh, Darth Derek because uh, I've got a, I've got a lightsaber on my, uh, my windowsill here. Oh um, go. but it's uh, Sith red, so. Can't go claiming the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, line, unfortunately.
1: Darth Vader so, worked for me. I remember when I was uh, five or six, being asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said Darth Vader. And uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently, I concerned some some parents at the time. Um, I really, really misunderstood that movie because I thought he was the coolest dude in the galaxy. Let me tell you what. <laughs> dresses yes, in all though. black, has his own spaceship. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be a Darth Vader? Absolutely, uh, it's uh, goals, to, goals to aim for.
2: <laughs> yeah, so starting with a, a firm love for Star Wars there, Derek, how did you fall in love with quality?
0: It's uh, an interesting kind of story, really, to get back to the um, the, the very beginning of it. Uh, I My original first career was uh, in the hospitality industry. I'm actually a, a trade chef uh, and, Was for about seven years or so, Um, but that's it's a pretty brutal lifestyle to be honest. Um, Doing a lot of split shifts, very long hours. Not exactly the most well remunerated job in in the galaxy. Um, And I'd been doing that for seven years, and it really kind of had enough. And uh, I knew of a job that was coming up that would allow for a relocation from where I was at that time staying uh, up to Aberdeen, uh, where I'm presently based and uh, that job i started off working in information management again at a fairly low low level but it got me into the into the company i was wanting to work in and uh got me an introduction to working on epc projects and working in a project environment so i was exposed to a lot of different um people and different uh job roles and professions if you will at that particular point in time not really knowing what i wanted to do but I certainly found that I tended to work on projects mm-hmm. with one particular individual um, who was in quality, and so I, you know, I always thought everything that she said always made loads of sense to me. I thought, oh, wow, you know, I'm I'm down with what she's saying here. This is this is interesting. Um, so she kind of became a bit of a mentor to me, and uh, I'm lucky enough to continue still working with her now. Um, and so she basically kind of gave me a, a few pointers and a few tips, and um, over a period of time, I kind of developed and grew into that department which she worked in and um, started off as a, an associate quality uh, advisor within that particular company, which is a sort of graduate level position, which I was very lucky to get because I didn't actually have a degree. I was not a degree qualified, um, never have been. Uh, so that was, like I say, a, a very good career boon for me to be able to get. Um, and it was one of these things that when I, I joined, and I met a lot of other people within the department, there was one guy I sat and had a coffee with, and he said, oh, it's uh, interesting you came along, and quality well, is just one of these things you fall into, isn't it? It's not really something you ever see at a career fair. So oh, for the last four years, this is all I've wanted to do. It's it's just been something that uh, has, um, you know, it, it's, it was a kind of epiphany style moment when I first started working within the field that, this is the career for me. This is what I like doing. This is what I where I fit well. Um, just you know, things that, that just make sense. Um, uh, and that's where like I said I just I maybe fell into it. But it's it's something that that I love doing. And um, you know, I, I bore everybody. The, the mentor I was uh, speaking about previously, I mentioned I was going on holiday to her recently said, so I bet you're taking a load of boring quality books with you. So I've got a stack of them that's this size that I'm taking away with me. So, uh, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a passion that's only grown over the years and, um, you know, and since then, I've, I've moved between a few different organizations and worked in different level roles from sort of a uh, corporate advisor roles through to, uh, departmental manager roles, um, Through to being sort of the sole focal point, the only quality person within an organization. So, uh, through all different sort of sizes of organizations, from one that was sixteen thousand people strong down to one that was you know maybe one hundred and twenty people strong. So, uh, different different sizes, different strokes, different folks. And the smallest organization I've uh, done any work for is a a skincare startup, which is a a single individual uh, working on it. And That's definitely a different field to try and apply some of these uh, methodologies to, but they're all still very valid. I mean, you still need to have process and job specs. You still have to control uh, outcomes and process characteristics and you can still uh, monitor and measure them. So uh, a lot of the uh, manufacturing principles are equally valid regardless of the size of the organization. So um, that's that's what I, I really love and I'm passionate about within quality is that it's almost like a universal set of constants, which can be applied in uh, any set of circumstances. Uh, and, you know, I had a, an old colleague of mine who once mentioned that uh, the ISO 9001 standard, for example, for quality management systems, uh, can be applied from everything from manufacturing and giant chemical plants down to chip shops, and it's, it all applies, it all, it all works the same thing. Just
2: to clarify, when you say chip shops, you really mean French fries.
0: Oh, Belgian fries, my friend. <laughs> no, no I, now, I, mean, I, mean the, I mean the Scottish big, thick-cut chips. Uh, the the, the ones deep-fried for an eternity before
2: you. You, know. you will breathe very easy knowing that everyone we've ever asked about their background and quality—literally none of them are like, "I was a five-year-old boy and I wanted to be a quality manager when I grew up." Almost everybody <laughs> went through five industries and then fell into it, and then like cosmic humor said, you know what? We're going to make you like the most boring shit in the world. <laughs> and that's how we got here. And
0: <laughs> yeah, before you need it, before you know it, you're reading books on statistical process control.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You, and enjoying uh, both, it. Both of you are published authors uh, on the subject, are you not?
2: We are both published authors. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. I, I noticed that uh, earlier on today, when I was uh, on Amazon doing a, a wee bit of a dig around between
1: uh, Everyone's profiles on LinkedIn and whatnot. What oh, there we you go. Those, uh, when you get on Amazon and you find my book on strongman training, that's what's going to throw you for a loop.
0: Okay, that's, that is definitely uh, pickling my brain, but <laughs> good work. Yeah, a guy,
2: guy used to be gigantic with 290 pounds, single percent body fat. <laughs>
1: I don't know about the body fat, yeah. but uh
2: and he, and he looked like like he was a different ethnicity. He did not look like you know, standard Caucasian male. Just, I don't know if it's a tan thing or it's because I don't, I don't he's a blend, but, like, but like he did not look like the same guy, like for
1: real. I, I didn't know there was a standard. It was probably the big bushy Arab beard that I grew that uh had that effect. Um, but yeah, I've been in strength athletics for some time. I still uh, hit the gym regularly, but uh, I couldn't be good at my job and good at strong men. and I had to pick one. So I picked the one that paid me. So.
0: <laughs> Fair <can't>, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, I was, I was, I used to be involved in politics, uh, quite heavily o- over here and, uh, you know, basically when you have career, family and politics, it's pick two, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you don't have uh, time for, the, for three of those. So family and the career came first. And you're in the Aberdeen area? Yeah, Aberdeen area. I have been based here uh, since 2006. I uh, grew up here originally, but I've uh, moved about since quite a bit since I was younger. So, uh, But I've been settled here for the last 15, 16 years, uh, working up here, like I say, in the oil and gas industry for the last week while. Um, and uh, now settled down here, family myself. So wife, two kids, uh, two young girls. One, one of four, one of eighteen months, and yeah, they they definitely keep you on your feet. That's for sure.
2: That's definitely a life
0: sentence. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It's uh, well, uh, and and it's the sort of thing you get absolutely no respect from them whatsoever. Particularly when obviously you're in a when you're an independent consultant, you don't necessarily have like a lot of people that you can issue any sort of authoritative. Uh, well, I'm I'm a manager, and therefore I'm telling you to go and please do this. This is your instruction type of thing. Um, but children just they, they have no respect for any sort of parental authority <laughs> whatsoever. Um, I had my uh, my eldest turn around to me the other day and say, "Daddy, you have boo boos like mummy, and you're very very fat." <laughs> Great. I tell Thanks.
2: I tell a story often. I went to John's house, and as I walked through the door. Met his daughter. She goes, "Hi, I'm Alana. You're fat." <laughs> it was like the first thing out of her mouth it was just like, "Oh my
1: God. Oh,
2: let me finish my Cheetos and
1: cry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, daughters, especially, they will give it to you straight. Let me tell you what. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's that's uh, fascinating, Derek. Of course, uh, you might know if you watch our show. I'm Scottish on my dad's side um my grandmother's surname is scott um we have some paraphernalia we pass down i guess a lot of scottish families are proud of where they came from um so we have this little dagger or something that we hand down um and some big blanket that was on some guy's sweaty arse at some point in the past <laughs> anyway uh, you can't
2: Derek, as as somebody from scotland you can't go a full day talking to an american without him dropping well my mom's one quarter from from one of these towns not far from uh, you
0: right uh, a- i've had it a few times but uh, you know it's it's either that or it's the uh, scotland what part of england is that in
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which trust me you can you can say nothing more infuriating to a scots person than uh, what part of england do you come from
2: yeah it's the north part right
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) yes north britain
2: uh no Uh, but going back to an earlier comment of yours Derek, you talk about walking into a facility with no real authority to impress hmm. like to like give and exude as you deal with people so how do you go about facilitating the outcomes that you're looking for
0: Okay, so in, in that sort of uh, situation, it's the way that I'm working just now as a consultant, it's I'm, I'm in there to do a very specific role. So um, I, I have only the, the authority of the company which I'm representing um, in, in that sense to be able to, uh, it's more a kind of managerial role in the sense that you're managing the supply chain activities uh, within a, a, what is a very large EPC, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar EPC project uh that that i'm working on at the present time um so you have only that sort of sense of authority to be able to say well this project needs these activities by this time and this deliverable and you must uh comply with these sort of contract uh, contractual uh, requirements to be able to you know, make the customer happy at the end of the day and, and you're sort of acting more as an intermediary there between the client who is you know my client is the same as their client ultimately we're both suppliers to the same corporate body corporate entity as it were so um you can kind of play on that and try and be a little bit i'm on your side guys (laughs) as well but um it's it's certainly a very different type of um, environment to being a, a managerial type of position where you have like i say need authority if you want to call it that as part of the, the managerial role where you're taking a look at well i'm responsible for organizational uh, outcomes and product outcomes but also career outcomes for those people that you are managing as well um so you know you're not necessarily in my position at this point in time you're dealing so much with uh, the people aspects of, of the quality so much as you are just simply dealing with contractual requirements, schedules, deliverables, and uh, attempting to make sure that uh, all these different components come together at the place that they need to come together at, at the time that they need to come together at to, to make a, a fundamental greater whole happen. Um, whereas obviously in, in the same sense as a manager, you are trying to do the same thing, but just in a different way. You're trying to make a different set of procedures, people, items, materials, tools come together to make an outcome happen but it's just, you're
1: doing it with a different goal, end goal in mind and in a different different sphere. Well, that's exciting. One of the things that I like about external consultants, and I've hired quite a few in my career, is that one, they don't have, they can't use bullying and authority, right? They have to have influence and buy-in. And two, they have like a blank slate. Um, You know, most of the times when, I'm running a business and we have a problem. Look, let's be honest, the people running the business created the problem, right? We, we know that we're not dumb. You know, we, we know it's our issue, but so how do we assume that we have the thinking, the experience to unscrew it up? Right. And to me, that's the, one of the, Biggest benefits from using an external consulting company is that the modes of thinking are different. The vision is different. The glasses that they see the world through are different, and can identify uh, probably more quickly and with less ego in the way uh, what needs to happen, you know, to help the business improve and get where it wants to be.
0: It's an interesting take that you mentioned that there. Um, I don't necessarily look at it so much. I mean, it's. It's partially 50 50 in that way i i would have said in it's you come into a, a different organization i remember walking around one factory for example the first time i was in there with the factory manager uh, and he talked to me at the end of the the tour and said well what do you think i said well this that that the next thing i gave some some direct feedback in terms of where i, I could see issues that if, if i were to be involved with that organization these are the things that i would change and this is how i would go about doing that um so yes there's there's a technical skills aspect to that where you know you look at things with a fresh set of eyes and you don't have the well it's always been this way i'm i, I grew up with this company and it's always been this way and it always will be this way um but it's also that you know being external to that or certainly being new into an organization as well from that you can bring maybe uh, Guess an ego-free kind of approach, as you say, in in the say, Well, I don't have all the answers, but what I do have is the ability to come here and ask the right questions, and maybe we can all get together around the table and say, It's always been this way. Why? Why is it always been this way? What can we do differently? Why why do you keep doing these things? Oh, it's because is there a reason? Well, let's have sit down and have a conversation about that. Um, so you can like I say, maybe ask questions in a different way and ask the questions that people who've been dyed in the wool within an organization's culture for a long period of time are not necessarily, they maybe not even allowed by the organization's culture to question certain things because it just always has been that way. So um, coming in externally and coming in new into an organization, fresh, you you may be allowed and permitted to ask the questions that are the unquestionable things <laughs> at that point in time. And that's where I think a, a lot of benefit can be gotten by getting new eyes, new ears, and uh, new brains around the table uh, for, for, for perhaps a familiar problem.
2: So what's that approach look like specific to Paragon? What are you, what does that conversation look like? A potential customer is listening to this po- podcast. What is your value proposition?
0: Uh, again it's one that has to be set by the customer and by the customer's own specific problems it's something that has to be scaled um because it's each set problem i mean like like i say i think of myself really more than anything else as a problem solver um i'm here to help people make things work in a particular way or maybe work better Uh, and the way that doing that is that it's you have okay i've got a long list of laundry a laundry list of things that uh, tools that i can use in a particular way but they may not necessarily be the ones that you need to apply just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should so for example you know um one thing a conversation that i had uh, online recently was that um you know hypothesis testing for example it being it it, it forms a fundamental core part of the Six Sigma body of knowledge and you know any course that you do as a black belt you're gonna have a whole load of one-tailed chi-square tests within this you have to learn (laughs) man whitney tests and uh, all these different statistical tests of significance and like i have worked for 15 years within quality and worked in different levels with different organizations in different fields and all the rest of it i've actually used these things on like two occasions um they're, they're, they're such a huge part of this body of knowledge but then so often, you you tend to find that, particularly with smaller organizations as well, um, that you are not going to be using those sort of things. You don't necessarily have the data harvesting systems there to provide you with the volume of data that you actually need to be able to draw statistically sound conclusions for these type of tests. Um, So they can be used badly and they can be used wrong, and they can give you the wrong information and they won't tell you anything of significance which yeah you know, anybody who's
2: had an interest in statistics knows how easy it is to lie with statistics
0: absolutely lies down lies and statistics um but there there are certain other things that you know as a quality professional uh, any quality professional or uh, any comp- competent quality professional in the field would be able to bring to the table as well in terms of looking at problems and being able to say, well, okay, tell me what you're actually doing. Show me your process map. Show me what you're actually expected to deliver here. What What's your customer's requirements as a start off? What what do they want to see? You know, and how are you providing that as an organization? How are your processes providing that within the organization? Where are you gathering data? Where do you need to gather data? Um, who is doing this? Why are they doing this? You can ask all of these questions and, you know, this is where, like I say, I've used this far more often than, than anything else is taking what the existing process maps and organization have, laying it out on the table and, and saying, well, is this actually how you do it? And inevitably you find that, no, the, the, the process map lies. It's not reflective of practice. And this is the difference between, like I, I always keep a, a very separate thing in my mind between process and practice. Process is maybe what you want to be doing. It's your espoused method, but the practice is your actual method. That's what people are doing on the shop floor. and uh, there, There's usually pretty good reasons as to why the practice exists. Because the process is maybe clunky, or it's asking people to do things that they know there's no point in doing it, or it takes them too long to do it. So it kills their cycle time for particular uh, turnarounds on, on products that they're doing. Um, so you know, you take, take apart your process from your, your as-is process, put it into your 2B process. You know, say, well, where do you want to be? Okay, we want to have this, this, and this. Okay, great, that's fine, but your current process doesn't reflect your practice. Let's make your process reflect your practice first, and then have a step-by-step, well, where do we need to get to, to get to where you want to be? Um, And you can dial that from just individual, I want to make a process have a particular outcome, through to I want to have a department have a particular outcome. Through to, I want to drive an organizational goal and an organizational um, objective to say to be the number one within your field within five year periods. Okay, great. To do that, you then need this, but you can't jump from here to here because there's three or four steps in the middle that you need to do first to become a mature organization that's going to allow you to do that. Um, So making a, a long, you know, five year plan saying, okay, These are the way we're going to do this in a controlled fashion and get not just your, you know, your people up to the level that you want to be able to be delivering number one style level organizational excellence, but also your, your processes, your technology, what, you know, you're not going to be uh, an expert in metrology by using, uh, you know, a slide rule and a measuring tape, if you really want to have, you know, ISO 17025 style performance, you know, you need to have something a little bit more sophisticated. Than that. So I do, yes. I do
2: like uh, the, the slide uh, rule comment. I make that just about once a week on some form.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my favorites are, are the the verniers. It's uh, the, there's a reason why they're called very nears.
1: It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one thing that I've found as I've helped different sites um, transform. You know lean transformation Um, in most cases it has been a continuous improvement and quality management system journey. Um, They may call it lean but it's typically not actually uh, lean that's just sort of a a vernacular. Where I have been um, in North America uh, catch all term right. Um, One thing that I found uh, pretty consistently is that the ability to have the wisdom to select the right methodology and approach is much more important than how good you are at the specific methodology or approach because i can always get help with that companies can always get help with a specific methodology um there's google there's youtube there's people that want want to help you um maybe it's 5s or implementing a pull system in a manufacturing plant that has, you know, both a continuous manufacturing of fab parts as well as discrete manufacturing of finished goods, right? Um, How how does this pull from that side? Um, Sort of a unique project I set up at one point. Um, Knowing which tool and methodology and what should happen next is far more important than your skill in implementing because that you can find might help with but if you John down one thing route, I love
2: as you're talking about that specific point and choosing the right tool listen to how he said he never used DOE but uses a process map all the time and is like his default
1: absolutely Jake and I joke about this all the time um, our first tool almost everywhere is a swim lane process map because we can put steps to the process and we can also put positions to the process. You know, it's almost a matrix that helps us narrow our focus really quickly and know, Hey, this is broken. Right. We tell the story of the one process map. Not only did it have 50 steps, but there were two places where there was literally no connection from one step to the next zero signal to do work. So the process really ended here and this guy in a different silo, Just kind of had to guess uh, to do work, right? Um, But yeah, picking the the right tool, that wisdom, that is a deep skill. It's a learned skill. And I found it to be far more important than how good you are at uh, a particular tool because you can get help much more easily with how to execute something than what should I execute.
0: It's there's there's two points that uh, you, you mentioned there that I'd, I'd like to pick up on. Um, then the the first being in terms of uh, the the people side of it, getting help with the, the right tool. Um, both generally as a consultant and as a, as a manager, you're going to have other people that you're working around as well, and it's it's about being humble enough to know that you're not the expert in everything. You're not going to know everything, and even for you know, uh, you know, consultant or someone who's, you know, let's put in quote marks, you know, highly trained in these sort of things. That doesn't mean that you know, know it all. You can't possibly know it all. It's, uh, you know, no human being is infallible. Um, and as a, certainly as a manager, one of the primary things that you should be doing is surrounding yourself with best people that you possibly can, who have the best knowledge about their own particular areas. Uh, I was very lucky in my previous role to have worked with uh, a QC team lead who was uh, an outstanding expert in metrology, which was something I knew a reasonable amount about, but I certainly wouldn't have said I was uh, a world leading expert in, but this guy, he was fantastic, he was really, really good at it. and uh, I, I worked with him and, you know, mentored him as well through uh, through his chartership with the, the Chartered Quality Institute, tried to help develop his uh, love and passion for quality as well and helped to do him that uh, to do that with him. um did that with the American Society uh, of Quality, with his membership with them as well, and uh, ended up nominating him for an award, cheekily without his knowledge. Uh, which he actually ended up winning, and was rather confused when he got a phone call from uh, the, the nominating agent at the American Society of Quality, saying, "Oh, congratulations! You've uh, you've won award XYZ." Oh my goodness! So I phoned me What's like, you're never going to believe this? I've just been awarded this award by the American. Oh no, I believe it because uh, I was the, the <laughs> nominating agent. <laughs> so uh, he's actually going to be getting a presentation for that uh, next month, which uh, I think certainly is uh, as a manager as a professional it's certainly one of the Proudest moments of my career is seeing someone I've helped to go on and, and get uh, some some professional recognition within the field as well. So um, that that's the guitar coming off the wall there. I've got a that's one of my I've got a bass guitar up there, and I've got a, a large collection of guitars over in the corner of my room there as well. Um, Outstanding.
1: So, so heavy metal guitar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't get to play it too much these days, though, because uh, obviously the kids go down to bed at eight o'clock, and uh, you know, thrash metal at uh, half past nine, ten o'clock at night. It's not something the wife's all that keen on, uh, nor nor the children. So, uh, well, we traded mind. music uh, earlier
2: in. The, we traded music earlier in the week, and he sent me smooth jazz and heavy metal. So, I'm like, man, we can really vibe. You're really like two the same horns, right?
1: And now you're now you're speaking my language. So what do you think of Michelangelo Bateo?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of videos of him, you know, where he's got three different guitars and he's playing them with like two different hands like this. And it's I mean, you know, technically very impressive. Um, but uh, in terms of is it something that probably I'd want to stick on in my car and listen to uh, while driving to work? Oh really?
1: <laughs> he was the most technically proficient electric guitarist to play for the shittiest '80s band ever. Which
0: band <laughs> uh, was it? He actually uh, played for
1: uh, Nitro, I think.
0: Never even heard of them.
1: No, because they were terrible. <laughs> I mean, they were just terrible. It was the worst band ever. I don't know how he I got bet. stuck with them.
2: I don't know anything about the band, but I know when the song rolls around on Guitar Hero, I just take the guitar off, set it down, go about my business. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. I give up. I'm not. I'm yeah. Up. Yeah, I
0: can't do that. Yeah, no, so I, I, can, I can about cope with uh, some, you know, 1980s style metal with uh, uh, Metallica and Megadeth on the guitar. I can I can do yeah, some yeah. of that, but it's when, when it starts getting into that that sort of level, uh, well, she, was, she was the guy from extreme Nuno Bettencourt, he was, he was another mm. guitar player, mm.
1: who some of his you just
0: all over the place. You know? nah. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't have the patience to learn the guitar that well.
1: <laughs> and that fellow from uh, Dragon Force, he's another uh, speed metal, oh. I think they call it. Very, Her- Herman
0: uh, Lee. High, yeah, um, Herman
1: Lee.
0: So I don't know if you've ever seen those guys live. I went to see them live in Edinburgh in 2003. And, you know i mean they're they're doing all this kind of crazy stuff on the guitar but at the same time they've got trampolines set up on either side of the stage so they're like jumping off the side of the stage bouncing off these trampolines <laughs> and jumping all over the stage while still doing all this it's, yeah
2: And Game Informer, a popular gaming magazine, rated that song, Through the Fire and Flames, on Rock Band, as one of the hardest evil bosses of all time. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Like, do you have a trained spider that's helping you hit these buttons? (laughs) Repeat that for the the audience, based on where we cut it. So I I was ragging on John for being a Star Wars nut, basically. And then you said they're remaking Knights of the Old
0: Republic? They are, yes, it was just announced um, just a couple of weeks back, three, three four weeks back. They're, they're doing a remake of the, the Knights of the Old Republic. It's only coming out on PlayStation and Xbox because there's some exclusive deal with Microsoft or something. I don't know. I, I don't know the details of it, but um, yeah, they're, they're going to be doing a remake of it. So that'll be uh, interesting to see. They, they released uh, a wee tease trailer of it on online with some graphics of uh, the, the Revan guy holding up a lightsaber in front of his mask on youtube just not that long ago which of course it makes everyone just kind of oh,
2: this
0: yeah. looks terribly exciting um but uh, there's I, there's nothing further that i've held about it since then
1: so i think if they do it right it's a great revenue play um blizzard did it wrong with diablo 2 but they timed it so all of the people that got hooked on diablo 2 when they were young are now in the income bracket where they can just spend money on it to see if they like it again yeah. And not have to worry about it. Same thing, I think, with Knights of the Old Republic, the the big fans of the original are probably now at a point in their career where they'll buy it just for, the, for nostalgia, whether it's good or not. Uh, hopefully, whoever's uh, releasing the game can actually let the people who buy it play it, unlike Blizzard North. Uh, not that I'm calling anybody out, but for those of us that spent money on Diablo 2 and can't get on any weekend at all because they don't have enough server space. I'm just suggesting I'm not in the industry, but I'm suggesting that that really sucks and I want my money back.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's the uh, Transformers <laughs> effect, isn't it? Uh, it's uh, exactly what you're talking about there. Uh, 2008 when they came out with uh, the, the first of those Michael Bay, Bayformers movies. And uh, yeah, and everyone who grew up in the 80s is like, well, I've, I've got some spare cash. I can go to the yeah. cinema this weekend. I'll go and yeah. see a Transformers live movie. <laughs> Absolutely, and they've all got kids. Uh, yeah. So they take their kids along, the kids are like, this giant robot's fighting. This is brilliant. First of course all the parents are there are sitting there going, you have no idea, this is this is awful. But <laughs> now, now their kids are sucked in, they're hooked. So the parents are hooked as well. You're, you're on the hook. You're going to see every single one of these things for the next decade, whether you want to or not. I remember when the new set
2: of Star Wars came out. This is circa 2008, 2009, the new uh, Star Trek, the more recent Star Wars. How about I shut up? The new <laughs> Star Trek, more recent ones. And my father took me to a movie. And I had never been to my fa- with my father to a movie before or after that moment. I'm like, what is the demographic of people I'm going to meet? And sure enough, there was nobody under like 50 years old in line to go see this movie.
1: I just want to clarify for our listeners out there, uh, Star Wars and Star Trek are two different things. Uh, I apologize for Jake's slip of the tongue. Please don't send me hate mail. I understand. I get it, too. Uh, Don't be offended.
0: It's either that or they'll be sending you the memes with, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and say you know, don't have a cow man says Spock,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> falsely attributed quotes. Beam me up Yoda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as we talk about um, quality, quality management, uh, continuous improvement management and moving the culture forward, obviously a critical element of that is people. And there's a certain sense I think at which it's impossible to move the needle on the company's processes and culture, uh, without also developing people simultaneously to sort of understand and take advantage of those process improvements. Um, What do you think about that?
0: Absolutely, it's, uh, it's something that's a a very key thing. And it's not just necessarily to make the company better. but It's also to give people greater opportunity as well. Uh, And that's something that I'm a huge huge believer in is increasing people's opportunity uh, but at the same time making that a, a kind of multi-value proposition for both organization employers and employees um, one of the first things certainly i did as a, as a manager uh, is always to review the training matrix that you've got for your own department that you're looking at as well as the wider training matrix to see what kind of quality training is in place because you might have quality training that's directed solely at the quality department, which tells you straight away, red flashing light. This organisation thinks the quality is only the responsibility of the quality department, um, which you straight away have to then start expanding that across the multiple different uh, parts of the organisation to explain to them, sell them quality, the value the quality can kind of bring, um, and it's you don't even have to sell it as being the value of the quality profession or the quality thinking perhaps, but it's just the value of not getting things wrong. It's the the value of removing waste. Um, but developing people through that it's, it's about how you sell it to them because there's different people who have different desires. And this is where I, I, I like the, the aspect of people management. I mean, it can have its upsides and its downsides, of course, um, but everybody has their own sort of sets of motivators, desires. And figuring those out is something that's you know really quite a joy to work with people for. Um, you get people that want to come in and all they want to do is they want to come in, they want to do their job, they want to go home at the end of the day, and, you know, it doesn't matter how much you bang on about quality, how enthusiastic you are about it, they are never going to be it. it is just not going to happen, um, you know, never mind anybody else. Um, and then you get the people who are the extreme opposite end of that, who are like sponges and they'll soak up whatever you throw at them and say, okay, here's here's a library worth of books and, you know, look at this organization, go to this website, check this news website out, you know, go, go see quality digest. You know, it's, you know, there, there's lots of different uh, fields that you can, you can show them and you just expand their horizons. Um, But most people are generally sort of in, in between. So it's about figuring out how to sell to them, what the value is in themselves for developing themselves. But, the converse of that is of course as they develop themselves and their own knowledge the skills and tools that they then learn helps them to you know bring that kind of mentality into the professional workplace so by developing them you are in essence going to develop the company anyway. the company is always going to benefit from that you're always going to benefit from having a more highly skilled more highly knowledgeable workforce as well as at the end of the day, it's, just, it's just, you're talking about improving people's lives and the future of their lives so you you can sit down with someone who's you know maybe they've started as, you know, kind of an apprentice quality inspector within the the company and say, right, okay, well, let's help you develop over your apprenticeship and develop you up to being a properly trained quality inspector. Let's do something like put you on a certification pathway with the ASQ. He picked
2: a good time time to mute there. John's not on camera, guys,
1: but he he just,
2: like, he sneezed out of his whole house. I'm pretty sure that guy has to find his soul for a moment.
1: I apologize. I inhaled a nap into my nose. And, Is that uh, the one that's been bothering you? The, it's the one that's know. been bothering me. So I feel like I got revenge in the worst possible way on him. But that's a, what a, you n- get. a nose like that? I mean, it
2: could have been the first time you had to go through <laughs> this.
1: He couldn't <laughs> avoid <have waited>.
2: it. <laughs> I went and had nose enlargement surgery just for this costume, just for just for Halloween.
0: It's dedication for you. Yeah. So. I, I, as I was saying, in, in terms of except taking someone who's you know, basically coming from, you know, let's say, a, a very low-level, baseline level of knowledge and experience um, with, within a company, you can take them and you can map out a whole pathway of uh, professional development that they can use to expand their skills. You can also then sell to them and say, well, look, you know, if you do this and you invest a little bit of time in yourself and in developing yourself and developing your skills, this is what the outcomes can be for you and for your family, or for your you know your future prospects, and it may be something that they're just not aware of that they've never experienced themselves uh, before, um, and it can open you up to whole new possibilities from uh, from an early age, and that's something that because that's something I experience myself, it's something I'm very passionate about um, you know delivering for others as well. I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, came from a hospitality background, which is long hours low pay lot of grief a lot of hassle for not a lot of reward um and thankfully you know I, and at that time i could never have dreamed of living in a, a four bedroom detached house with a double car garage that that was just beyond what was achievable with that life that i had at that point in time but it's a life and quality has provided that for me um and that's okay it's, it's a very materialistic kind of way of looking at things but it's it, it's afforded a certain level of comfort which would not have come had I not done that training, that investment of time and energy, in studying and learning, and um, you know mastering that part of my craft that I've been able to. So uh, that's where let's like say I'm, I'm enormously enthusiastic about trying to help others to to do that. But of course, not everyone wants, There is no set path. Everyone has different ideas. But again, you can you can show people that, that these different pathways exist. As we, again, we discussed earlier. It's uh, it's not something that a careers counselor at school is ever going to say, why don't you become a quality engineer? That sounds like a No, not literally
2: (laughs) never. And never ascribe malice, but you can explain with ignorance. Because I, too, find that everyone I engage with, they're like, what is this crap you're just rattling on about? But (laughs) quality in itself isn't an input. It is an outcome and that outcome is a byproduct of how robust your process is and how committed you got the people are and the easiest way to gain commitment and a robust process is centering around developing that individual in my book, not to plug my book but chasing excellence. uh, There's a chapter chapter in there uh, called finding your levers that speaks to exactly what you were talking about and in that I share what are things that make me move immediately. Of course, money is one of them. I'm not ashamed enough to you know, say that money's not one of them. I also like a little conflict. I'm a bad boy. So I go through my levers and what makes me move. And then I walk you through how to find what other people's are. And as soon as you have other people's levers, just pull the damn lever. I'm not trying to be a sociopath here, but that's what social influence is, you know, to get the outcomes you want.
0: Absolutely. But it's identifying those outcomes that other people desire as well and then being able to help them to pull those levels. That's uh, the the aspect of it that I really enjoy. And it's showing them that the levers exist if they don't even know that they existed in the first place. You know, you can talk to one, I had a series of conversations with the inspectors in the previous uh, company I worked in, uh, and it was saying to them like, okay, so you're you're an inspector just now and you know about the quality control aspects of things, you know how to use your vernier, you know how to establish a measuring point off of a series of datums, you know how to read technical drawings, great fantastic however you know are you interested in management systems auditing and a few of them were so you know put a few of them through their internal audit training because then great now i've got some additional resources for running my internal audit program for the year ahead so you know, it selfishly works for me but it also means that these guys now they've got an additional ticket under the belt it's something they've got exposure to something that they didn't know existed before and it's something that they now can look at and say, well, now I've got this as a potential career path, and they start to expand their little possible career future tree that they can go along. Uh, and that can be whether it's down the management systems auditing route, whether it's the continuous improvement route, whether it's lean, whether it's um, you know non-destructive testing, whether it's you know ultra advanced metrology, you know 3D CT style scanning uh, equipment and whatnot. You can get all that. You know, there's there's lots of different opportunity even within quality, which again ties back to what I was saying about nobody can know it all. That's why you've got to have a great team around you, great people around you. You've got to have you know, good external help when, when needed for the things that you know you need that for. But again, no one individual is ever going to be able to know it all. But you can know enough about these things to know where you want to go. And you can show that to other people as well to show them, well, they might want to go as well. And you can then help them to take those next steps to get along that road, and hopefully then, whenever they move on or whenever you move on, you've left them in a position where they're in a better place, in a better place themselves to be able to achieve their own personal goals. And by doing so, they then make the company that they're working for a better company as a result as well. It's
2: like, absolutely. absolutely. And John and I often hit that exact same point at the end of it, the tail end of every conversation. We come back around to like, well, if you just weren't shitty in <laughs> the days of a plastic corporate purveyor of infinite knowledge coming in and wearing a superhero cape and you know saving your whole day, those days are just largely dead. Really, what you need is somebody that can internalize the, the, the theory, the philosophy, and strategically apply it when needed.
1: You know, and Derek, What's I think like? that's very well put. Uh, I really appreciate uh, your insight there. I think a whole book could be written on those uh, paragraphs. Um, but I'd like to highlight, you know, one one particular point, which is there's going to be opportunity to add value to people, your coworkers, your your peers, or maybe your suppliers. And when that opportunity presents itself, we should do it. And I don't have to demonstrate how it benefits the company. I'm sure it will, because helping others will help the company at some point. But it's also just the right thing to do. And I look That's... forward to the kind of culture where more and more companies just embrace, I have this person, I can help them. I can help them increase their knowledge, skill, capability, ability to earn an income, provide for a family. And I'm going to do it just because it's the right thing to do.
0: It's also a a kind of a karmic element as well. You, you, at the same time as well, you are giving other people opportunity to learn, it's investing time in, not in your network because you know that, uh, and I know certainly that some of the best people I've worked with, um, like I said, that that uh, QC team lead, who is the the expert in metrology, um, I I fully expect in you know a couple of years time that he'll have far eclipsed my own kind of ability and career, and that you know who knows maybe he he'll, he'll be ringing me and saying I've got some work for you. Oh, excellent, fantastic, that's that's very good. <laughs> so it, these things will always come around as well. You you can invest your time in bettering other people. And likewise, you can be bettered by other people as well. Um, you can learn from others in, in what they do. It's, it, like I said, no one can be a single ex, an expert in any one single thing. You can learn from others uh, and learn uh, to be a better professional as a result of working with others all the time. And that's that's something that, uh, like I say, I continue to try to do to this very day with every individual that I meet in, in every field.
1: Well, it's always a pleasure to connect with working professionals who sort of share our values and want to see people win and, and take joy in helping other people win. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> I don't even think the audience will see that. The audience
2: um, will definitely see it because I'm speaking. Anyway, <laughs> do they not see that in the Zoom? And that'll be so funny if they don't see it in the Zoom at all.
1: Johnny, Jackie, <laughs> Kenobi. Well, I'm taking a screenshot so I can splice that in. Um, But Derek, it was indeed a pleasure uh, talking with you today. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing some wisdom and philosophy with us. Uh, Of course, best of luck to you with Paragon Process Improvements. Um, How can folks get in touch with you?
0: So probably the best way to get in touch with me would be through LinkedIn. Uh, I'm available on there. The company also has a LinkedIn page on there um any of your viewers uh, would like to connect i'm always welcome to uh, take on any any new networking and then uh, uh, you're always welcome to to follow the company i I tend to post pretty regularly on there three or four times a week uh, usually quality funnies and uh, related information but also sharing some uh, network news and just trying to share um you know uh, good quality resources from various different places around the internet so hopefully it can also kind of be a a bit of a learning thing for folk to, to follow as well because it's sharing some of the the resources that I know about. Um, it's not necessarily sharing my own knowledge, but sharing some of the things I know about, uh, I suppose, in uh, some of the places that I know about. So um, that's probably the best place to, to get a hold of me there. And uh, all my contact details are on there. So if there's obviously um, anyone wanting to discuss any future business, then uh, of course they can get a hold of me through that medium.
1: Great. And of course, I will put those links below for our audience. Uh, before I let you go, did either of you guys guess my Halloween costume?
2: Middle-aged man, crisis, um, life crisis, middle-aged man in a crisis. Um, um,
1: you see the abuse that I have to play up with?
0: Just, okay. Just a, it's almost as little respect as children pay their parents. Okay. All right. Is John, in fact, your child?
1: The other oh, John. G- is, is the other friend. John, John uh, John Thakiwan Kenobi. <laughs> John Thakiwan Kenobi. All right, let's try this and then see if you can guess my costume.
2: Old man. sleeping old man.
1: I know Kung Fu. (laughs) Say no more.
0: (laughs) I I
2: didn't get that one. Who is it supposed to be?
1: That's all right. You're probably not cool enough to know what I was referencing. Um, A lot are too young, Jake.
2: (laughs) Probably the young thing.
1: Uh, The end of the 90s was cool. (laughs) Definitely. We sure appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thank you you very much for having me. Uh, had a lot of fun. And we're going to have to do this again because there was so much to dig into today that we didn't get to. Unfortunately, our time today is up. So for everybody out there in YouTube land, thank you very much for joining us this week for another episode of Equality Podcast. Goodbye.
2: May the force be with you.
1: you are going to get death threats. <laughs>